This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Power Hour is upon us. We got the number, 844-SAY-ACCN is the number for the program. Of course, we continue to stream live on the ESPN app. Mark Packer here in the Durham, my partner Wes Durham, fresh off of 19 consecutive hours of Atlanta Falcons draft coverage, working on 26 minutes of sleep. And get me to ju- are you doing round two and three down there in Atlanta? You guys got something special for that or not? No, nah, no big shows. Last night was uh, we had a one hour digital program, and then we did uh, about four hours of uh, of radio coverage. So we're good, all good today. Okay, sounds like a beautiful night. That's what that sounds like. Yeah, wrapped up about what eleven thirty, quarter to twelve. Drove back home. Worked out good. I like the night. I, I like, you know what I like? I like watching where, like, we started out defense last night, and then Atlanta went Drake London, wide receiver at eight. And then all of a sudden there was a run on wide receivers where it was like five of the next eight picks were wide receivers. Because everybody thought, oh, wait a second, we don't take a wide receiver here, they'll all be gone. And we'll be, and the trades were nuts last night. I think we had nine trades in the first round, yeah. setting a record in the common draft era. It was crazy. All right, speaking of crazy, uh, we got a gift as well. We'll get back to the draft here in a second. But we got a gift yeah. today from the University of North Carolina where they want to exchange the helmets that we have in here. They want to exchange their North Carolina helmet. Here is the new one, right, which is really sharp. Ooh, nice. Right? That's yeah. good look, right? So I just yeah. pulled off the shelf because Michael Beal says, hey, as far as the old one goes, do whatever you want with it. So we've come up with an idea to maybe put this thing out for bids for a charity. Right. Again, wow. we've got a bunch of old helmets here. And if a school wants to upgrade their helmets here for the studio, the basement, they can. Now, here's the old helmet. All right. Maybe we can do a comparison. Like the, like the okay. new one is a lot like Carolina Bluer. Right. I mean, this one looks a little darker, the old one. And plus, yeah. the stripe's a little bit thicker. Can you see that? You can do that? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Right, so, this is the new one, which is really sharp. Here's the old one. So, we're going to put this thing out for bids for a charity, right? Whatever dollars we get, we'll throw it to a great charity. Um, and we're kind of just thinking off the top of our head as we roll on this bad boy. So this is it, right? This is the one that you're going to, somebody's going to get. Because anyway, I, I just, right. You know, we might as well give it back, right? If we have the chance to generate some sure. dollars for charity, let's do that. Right. So, um, so that's what we're going to do. So Wes, apparently uh, we've already received somebody and has an interest in the helmet. And uh, on tweet on Twitter, and uh, this comes from Garrett Chapman, who sent me a note and said, uh, "I'll start the bid at two hundred and fifty dollars, two fifty. So there you go. Ooh. We're going to start the standard okay. right there at two fifty. Now again, we're just going, we're flying by the seat of our pants on this. I don't even know if we can legally do this on the air, but we're, it's too late now. <laughs> uh, we've already jumped in the deep end and pulled and gotten wet. So if we can't do it, we'll apologize right. afterwards. But yeah. I just think we got a chance to raise some money well, for a know, local hey. charity. We're going to do it. Yeah. Think about it like this. You just call your friend Jimmy, and we'll go from there. Say, Jimmy, I apologize. I didn't know we couldn't do that, but we decided to do it. So maybe the ESPN would like to match what we're going to do on this. Uh, illegal. Yeah. Um, so nevertheless, that's what we're going to do. All right. So uh, okay. we got 250 bucks, and we'll just kind of throw this out for bids. We're not even going to put a time limit because we're just making okay. up the rules as we go. It's kind of like the NCAA. We're, uh, we're just trying to make up rules as we go on this thing. So we'll see where this goes. Okay. But somebody will get it. And if you want us to sign it, we will. If you're like, hey, don't ruin it. Don't you think about putting a Sharpie on it, especially you two morons. 
we'll stay away from it. All right. So you can do whatever you want with that. Send me a text or a tweet. Same thing with Wes, ACC Network. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out and we'll get back to you next week. All right. Uh oh, we lost Wes. We lost Wes. Where did Wes go? Fake left, go right. All right. So that's the deal. Again, at Mark Packer, at West Durham, at oh, ACC Network. Go. If you're interested in it, oh, there he's back. He's back. I'm Lost sorry. his voice. Sorry about that. We got right. a little, we got some movement going on here. Sorry, apologize for that. It's quite all right. Tell um, Clifford, tell Clifford you'll take him for a walk at ten. Tell the mountain lion to quit messing with the cable. <laughs> he's he is uh, he's already come by to check things out this morning. Um, here, here's the question I have for you: If we're not going to put a limit on this, are we just going to field it? via social media and go that route is that yeah. the way you want to do it yeah unless somebody okay. wants to if you want to call into the show you can do that too 844 say accn you say listen <laughs> yeah, i've sure. always and it's a great i mean it's heavy man it's a real deal now it's no joke yeah it's the real helmet all right um, the old one it's the old one the old one not the new one, I, the I, old have, one. I, have, I have one more question yep i have one more um do we want to solicit new helmets from the other football institutions, sure. the other 13? And when we get those new helmets, we will then offer for auction yeah. the other one. Like we right. have two Georgia Tech helmets. Jeff Collins brought us one, right? Signed yeah, I got, helmet, right? Collins has got a new one up here. And again, they might have changed it for this upcoming year. I have no earthly idea. Uh, right. But I've got a couple Georgia Tech helmets. I already got a couple Clemson helmets. I have an old, old right. Virginia helmet. Uh, that's sitting up here too, and uh, I just think there's no need for them to collect dust here. And if the schools are comfortable with it, we'll just put them out for bids and, and tie it into a local charity towards the school. And it's all good, right? It's all good. All right. So we'll play that game, see where it goes. As sure. we get the new ones in, we'll put the old ones up for the auction, and then sure. maybe we find a charity that's centric to the school somewhere, right? You know, think, like I a local makes- charity, whatever. Right, I think yeah. it makes a ton of sense. And again, uh, we're not looking to make a dollar off this. This is all going back no, to, no, yeah. to something that's uh, beneficial to a local community in the ACC. So that, that's what we'll do. There you go. All right, let's chronicle the first round because uh, Packer said that the uh, all the pre-draft stuff was right up his alley. He was very excited with everything that occurred prior to prior to uh, the first pick last night. I mean, I Enjoyed live vicariously. I live vicariously through Mel Kuyper Jr., right? I mean, the guy's been doing it better than anybody for a trillion years. And I'm watching ESPN last night, and he's telling me, man, here's what we're going to do. We're getting Hutchinson's going this, and here's the reason why, boom, 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 and bam, with the first pick of the NFL draft, here's Mr. Walker from Georgia. I'm like, well, there goes Mel. We've been working on this for 365 days. The first shot out of the gun, bam, nothing, wrong. That's right. And I didn't hear anybody talking about Stingley. I mean, Stingley's a really good player. Like, I mean, I remember when he played, like, I don't know, three years ago when LSU used to play yeah. football and could beat somebody as opposed to that garbage they got now as a product. But, you know, then Stingley goes with the third pick. I'm like, well, no, I've read every mock draft known to man. I haven't seen anybody pick Stingley in the top three. The NFL draft, as you know, Wes, because you've been doing this a long time with the Falcons, you never know. It doesn't take but one you pick never know. to throw everything out of whack. And that's kind of what happened <laughs> yep. last night. Exactly right. But uh, the ACC had their moment, uh, and we wrote a couple of interesting storylines with the four players picked from the ACC last night. The first one came at number six when the Carolina Panthers took Charlotte native Nicky Iquano. Yep. So Packer was hoping for Kenny Pickett to live in the HOA and uh, have an opportunity to help contribute to the uh, subdivision. 
not going to happen. But Icky, the house oh, could be yours as well. Right. So. Hey, Wes, it's all about <laughs> Wes. It's all about the ACC. I think you know. Listen, we could use a quarterback in Charlotte because Sam Darnold can't play dead in a cowboy movie. Uh, we could have used Darnold here, but I'm glad we got Big Icky. Now, we've had conversations yeah. with him. I've got the Dave Dorn pancake syrup bottle right here. Yeah. So I yeah. said it, pancake with the Pac-Man. Let's go, Icky. i got a house for you in the yeah. neighborhood. You can stop by. Mrs. P makes great pancakes. We can load up. You can stop by and have some fun with us on the show, and then you can go get to work and protect Sam Darnold before he loses his life back there because we need the help. God <laughs> we knows need some we help. need the help. Yeah. Big time. There you go. So Iguanu went six overall to the Panthers. Uh, the next ACC player is, to me, one of the more terrific stories in all of college football. Zion Johnson, whose college football career started at Davidson, uh, ends up being the 17th pick overall last night by the L.A. Chargers. Of course, he played both guard and tackle at Boston College. His value in the National Football League is as high for an offensive lineman as you could possibly get because of the fact he's played multiple, multiple positions. Then the second unique hometown story, if you will, came at 20. And that was Kenny Pickett being drafted by the team next door. And I do mean literally next door. (laughs) Because Pittsburgh and the Steelers share the same training facility. And last night, Kenny Pickett improved his parking and has to walk about 35 feet to play professional football from where he trained to play college football. Kenny Pickett will get to do it in Pittsburgh. Mike Tomlin confirming last night with the media there that Pickett will have a chance to battle with Mitch Trubisky and Mason Rudolph for the starting position in Pittsburgh this year. So that's the story with Kenny Pickett this morning and what an emotional night it was for Kenny and his family and all their friends. It was good to see Pat Narduzzi and his wife there last night to help Kenny celebrate the selection by the Steelers. The fourth ACC player taken was at 26. The New York Jets, who had a pretty good night, by the way, with GM Joe Douglas. They took Jermaine Johnson, the second, the defensive end and ACC defensive player of the year at Florida State. Some said Johnson's stock fell through the night. An executive telling a front office uh, representative telling Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports that Johnson was the victim of media hype that uh, he was taken exactly where he needed to be in terms of the range most executives felt he was. So there you go, Pac. That capsules the four guys from the ACC. Yeah, I thought we might get uh, Booth coming in there late first round. I, and like I said, I think yeah. he goes really early tonight in the second round, uh, the corner from Clemson. But nevertheless, uh, Johnson dropping where he did. The Jets got some dudes. I'm just telling you, I know my man Phil Savage is excited and should be. And I thought the Giants got some great players, too, that will help them instantly. But as far as the ACC guys go, Kenny Pickett becomes the highest-drafted quarterback ever from Pitt. By the way, Marino yep. went 27th, 27th for Marino. Uh, Kavanaugh went 50th. Uh, so, I mean, you know, he's in high cotton. The only quarterback picked last night in the first round. We've had Kenny on the show, got what, six, seven times. He's been awesome. Uh, again, I think he's kind of the poster child for guys that said, <laughs> you know what? College life is pretty good. Let me go back and enjoy it, pick up another quality education, and let's go win a championship while we're at it. And again, I think he's the poster child from all that perspective. And it's kind of cool to see what's what, like what's going on in North Carolina basketball, seeing guys come back yep. and go, hey, I can take advantage of name, image, and likeness and still enjoy the college game. So, And I'm thrilled for him. I'm thrilled for all these guys. Like I said yesterday, this, this is a magical moment watching the NFL draft. Guys have worked so hard, God-given skills. They put in the work, and now they get the reward. So – Cool stories all around. And from an ACC perspective, like you said, West, two cool homecoming stories with only Icky here down in Charlotte 
but also uh, what Kenny's going to be able to do in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think the Kenny Pickett-Pittsburgh story is one that's going to play out. You're going to hear a lot more about it. And I'm as curious as anything else about how Kevin Colbert, the general manager, and Mike Tomlin ultimately decided this was the guy. Remember, there have been a lot written about Mike Tomlin's uh, courting of Malik Willis, the quarterback at Liberty, of course. Um, but at the end of the day, they went with Kenny Pickett. And I got to tell you, Pac, there's some things about last night from that standpoint you and I talked about this. He, he kind of fits Pittsburgh in so many ways, doesn't he? I mean, the style of play, uh, the fact Roethlisberger in, influenced the two-glove approach he had this year, all those things. And and the fact he played at Pitt, and he already understands kind of the mindset on a smaller scale of the culture of that city. And now all of a sudden, he doesn't have to upheaval his life. He doesn't have to move you know, across the country, you know, he'll have better accommodations, find a way to, you know, and he's got a lot going on. I just think it's a really nice fit. And here's the other thing too, he's not being given the job. And that's probably a good thing because Kenny's never been given anything. You know, we've talked to him about that. You got to go earn it. And I think that Mike Tomlin came out and said last night, hey, look, he gets to compete with Mason Rudolph and Mitch Trubisky. I think that's going to be a really interesting competition. It's going to be a storyline in a division, by the way, in the AFC, that's got terrific quarterback play. When you think of Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, and um, Deshaun Watson, who's now in Cleveland, the Steelers are going to have to have good quarterback play in order to keep their uh, strong tradition going for sure. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's the NFL, college football, or high school football. If your quarterback stinks, I got news for you. You're not going to win so many games. I mean, it's just the way it works. Uh, if you want to be elite, you better be elite in that position. And right. He's just a first-class dude, an easy guy to root for. And, uh, again, Absolutely. like I said, I, I'm thrilled for all the guys that got picked last night. I, I don't care if it's just ACC, SEC, Big Ten. Of course, nobody from the Big 12 got picked last night. Uh, how about that? They pitched a shutout in the 32 picks, the Big 12. Eesh, sorry. Uh, but, I mean, it's a great storylines across the board. And, by the way, a quick shout-out, too, to Florida State uh, with Jermaine going to the Jets. That now makes 39 consecutive years, if I got my numbers right. 39 consecutive years that Florida State's had a guy drafted. And, you know, the, the tradition, the excellence, Mike Norvell was talking about that again yesterday, that, hey, we got a special thing going down here in Florida State to get that thing back where it needs to be. And I've said this 100 times. Miami needs to be good. Florida State needs to be good. Virginia Tech needs to be good. If you can sprinkle in NC State, North Carolina, Pitt, anybody else in the mood, Clemson doing their thing, uh, the conference will be just fine in football, but we need to get back to those standards again, Wes. Yep, I agree with you on that. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, I'll look at a uh, at the he- at the Friday ahead in women's lacrosse. We will do that. Remember, action starts at noon right here on ACC Network, and there's big baseball as well, and some men's lacrosse to check in on. We'll do all that more next. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. In fact, here's uh, one stat per game. Uh, we'll start with women's lacrosse, and we're going to start ironically with Pitt and Carolina, right? Who we'll kick off our coverage at noon today. Uh, Carolina is seeking its sixth title in a row in women's lacrosse, which would tie the longest streak of consecutive titles in ACC history with Maryland, who won six straight from 2009 to 2014. Yeah, we still acknowledge Maryland, do we? That's nice. They're in a Big Ten doing their thing. Whatever happened to them? It's just asking. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Carolina will be trying to equal that with Jenny Levy's team today when they start their journey at noon. Notre Dame and Duke. Uh, Notre Dame is just 2-2 two and two in conference home games this season. And we ran that stat earlier about winning percentage from road teams pack. And then I saw this 2-2 two and two thing, and I thought, eh, that, that doesn't feel good, does it? That's not a great vibe to have. Well, this feels like a coin toss, right? And it's four against five. Uh, again, we had Dana Boyle, the expert, breaking this one down. This one feels like it literally could go either way. Take your pick. Yeah. So, And then uh, Virginia Tech and Boston College comes your way. BC defeated the Hokies earlier this season at home, 18-8. to Charlotte North scored seven times. She has 17 goals in the last two regular season games against Virginia Tech. Wes, I believe this was the game that was on television when uh, you and I were in New Orleans, and Luke Hancock, our buddy who does uh, nothing but net for hoops, uh, we kind of introduced him to Charlotte North, and everybody, Carlos Boozer, all of them were sitting around, and they were watching going, oh, my gosh, I can't you believe it. And, like, all of a sudden, everybody kind of got what we've been talking about, that, man, right. these ladies are super, super talented. And Charlotte North, like I said, is a superstar. And if you've never seen her play, do yourself a favor, put your feet up and watch, because she's going to do something yep. you've never seen before. It happens every match. Seems that way. Yep. I, I would agree with you completely on that. And, yeah, it was one of, the, one of the more interesting moments of the trip to New Orleans for the Final Four was seeing people watch Charlotte North for the first time, especially when she went behind the head right. to, uh, to score a goal for uh, Keisha's team. Uh, last one we'll touch on here before we move to softball. Virginia and Syracuse uh, tonight. Uh, we've already talked to Julie Myers. We've told you how impactful it is for Virginia, how important it is for Virginia to win. And the job Kayla Trainer's done in year one uh, with the Orange, Syracuse's losses this season have come against teams ranked this week one, two, five, and nine. Whew. That might not bode well for the Cavaliers. No, but you're going to have to step up and win one today because you have to win, or else the dream of yep. getting to the NCAA tournament is over, and that streak comes to an end. And they've been going since the mid '90s, so. It's like old hat to think Virginia, the NCAA tournament's an automatic. It's not if you don't win today. It's over. Yeah. Uh, let's pivot to softball. Florida State beat Oklahoma State last night in the first of two games. Did an extra innings last night. Now makes uh, Lonnie Almeida's team 12-2 and two against mm. ranked teams, Pack Pretty good. During the season. Uh, yeah. This is a standard. Not only, not only a standard within the league, Florida State nationally is big time. And I know everybody's chasing Virginia Tech right now in the league, and that's why I can't wait for the ACC softball tournament. But a terrific win last night. Again, the painted in pink uh, celebration. That's why the jerseys are the way they are. Uh, but a tremendous game. Two really good teams. Oklahoma State's out of sight, too, ranked in the top ten. But uh, Lonnie's got something special again in Tallahassee. Uh, good to see Sidney Sherrill still riding the Packer and Durham bump. Yeah, scoring the game-winning run last night, huh? Yeah, she, she's really talented. That's a really talented team. I'm telling you, when we get to the softball tournament between the Hokies, you got the, I mean, you got three teams in the top 10, five in the top 20. Uh, Notre Dame's right. having a great year. Clemson's really good. But Duke and uh, Florida State and Virginia Tech all in the top 10. Uh, they're all yep. legit. It's big time. Yeah. We'll have coverage of the ACC softball championship as well here on, uh, on ACC Network. All right, off to baseball. We uh, had the interview with Drew Hackenberg, in case you missed it earlier in the program. Uh, the Hokies and Cavaliers meet this weekend. Virginia's won seven of the last nine meetings. 
and 10 of the last 11 in Charlottesville. That's a pretty good vibe for Brian O'Connor's team. Well, I said, first time since dirt, both of them are ranked in the top 15, and they're going to go eyeball to eyeball. And uh, I'll tell you what, the Hokies are raking it. Virginia hits it hard and all over the joint. Uh, this is just going to be a great series. This one almost kind of feels like a super regional for the NCAA tournament when it gets to go right. to Omaha. I mean, these are two big-time teams here. Excellent. Yeah. Pivot to Atlanta. Uh, this weekend, Miami visits uh, McNeese Ballpark at Russ Chandler Stadium. And, by the way, they will be honoring and saluting Jim Poole, the former Yellow Jackets star, uh, as part of the uh, weekend set. Uh, Georgia Tech's been great offensively. Uh, they're number two in hits with 500 uh, two this season. That's second in batting average at 324, third in runs and home runs with 82. You see how good they are offensively, and you think for a second, well, wait a second, Georgia Tech's got to be toward the top of all this, right? In the ACC, the answer to that is no, because the Jackets have been thwarted by some tough pitching. They really struggled to get people out at times uh, with their pitching. So that'll be a critical element, especially against a really good Miami staff this weekend. Uh, by the way, Poole, uh, Jim Poole, the former Jacket, battling ALS, and our thoughts are with him and his battle, diagnosed about a year ago. But he played for Jim Morris, who, of course, used to coach at Miami, uh, longtime Georgia Tech resident and a fixture around the baseball program. So they're going to honor Jim Poole this weekend in Atlanta. We wish him the very best as, uh, as he moves forward there for sure. Um, North Carolina and Duke, men's lacrosse pack is next on the ledger here, and they're meeting for the 79th time. They've split the last 10. Carolina's got an eight-game lead in the series, but they split the last 10-5-5. Remember last year over in Durham, they had a phenomenal game there too. They did. It's been a different kind of year, though, for North Carolina. Um, And, you know, Duke's got work to do too. But, again, two top 20 teams, everybody trying to position themselves. We do not have a men's lacrosse tournament like we are currently having with the ladies, so keep that in mind. Virginia's already clinched the regular season. Large Tiffany and the boys win another one. But anytime you get the shades of blue, I've said this a thousand times on this show, I don't care what the sport is, when they get together, it will be intense and it will be entertaining. Next up on the list is uh, Notre Dame and uh, Syracuse. The uh, first time they've met, uh, first time since 1975, Syracuse has finished the season unranked in the national polls. Notre Dame beat Syracuse 22-6 to earlier this year when uh, Jake Taylor had eight goals for the Irish in the ballgame. Paul Carcaterra told us a couple weeks ago, Notre Dame is smoking hot. Keep an eye on them. They yep. can score. They got experience. Certainly will be favored in this game. Uh, but keep an eye on the Irish when we start talking about the NCAA tournament. Could be one of those teams that uh, goes on another crazy run. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, going to be an interesting uh, scenario for sure. That kind of gives you one stat per game as we move through the weekend set in both uh, women's lacrosse, men's lacrosse, softball, and baseball. Uh, so when we come back, we will stay with baseball, though. Mike Rooney joins us next. We'll check in on his thoughts around the diamond in the ACC. We'll do that when Packer and Durham continues. Packer and Durham. It's time. Time for Mike Rooney. Going to break it down. 
we got this big thing going on in the Commonwealth. We have four ACC matchups in terms of <laughs> conference lineups, right? you got the Clemson's on the road at Louisville, BC's at Notre Dame, Miami at Georgia Tech, and Virginia, Virginia Tech. And we got some non-conference, too, like TCU, Florida State's a good one. But, Mike, I want to start off with the Commonwealth. Uh, first time ever, Virginia, Virginia Tech are going to hook up. They're both ranked in the top 15. That's never happened before. They can both rake. They're both hot. They are both certainly teams that could get to Omaha. What do you think gives this weekend? Who's got the advantage? Virginia because they're at home? Or you tell me. You're the expert here. Well, first of all, guys, good morning. And we have to address my new walk-up music, Enter Sandman. Is that a is that a Mariana Rivera reference or is that Virginia Tech football? I don't know. Either way, I'm in. <laughs> Uh, thank you for that. Pump me up. But I, yeah, I, this is uh, I do a weekly picks for D1 baseball. And, um, you know, I picked Virginia and I said, quote unquote, because I'm gutless. I just didn't have the courage to pick Virginia Tech going on the road and breaking that trend. But man, guys, I think it's going to be an awesome series. I mean, these are two of the best offenses in the country, two really dynamic position player groups that, that defend and create great offense. You know, I, I don't think either team's got super deep pitching. But I like both bullpens, and they've got enough starters. So I don't know what to tell you about what's going to happen, but I think you're going to see two of the best teams in the country. Mike, uh, Pac said a moment ago it feels like a super regional. I mean, and I don't think he's far wrong here. I, I think this has got to, you know, we kind of regionalize some of this stuff from time to time, you know, when the brackets come out and things like that. I'm not saying we're previewing something we may see five weeks from now. But it kind of has got a weird feel to it that this could be uh, a separator somewhat in that committee room. Yeah, I mean, I think both teams, as we sit here today, are on track to be hosts. So the first weekend they get to host that regional. I don't know that both of them are on track quite yet to be super regional hosts. That would be more like Miami and Notre Dame in the league. But, Mm -hmm. you know, you win a series like this. Hey, especially if you're Virginia Tech and you go on the road and, and take a series from Virginia, that is super loud. If you're Virginia and you do it, you're just adding to what is a very, very good resume. And then, you know, I, I would agree with Pac's sentiment. I, I mean, both of these teams check so many of the boxes that, that you're looking for as a team to go deep in the postseason. An offense that can put up big numbers, a, a position player group that can defend the field, just enough pitching. Neither of these teams have the deepest pitching staff in the league or the country, but they probably have enough pitching. They've got a couple marquee starters, so... Yeah, there's a lot to like here, but you're, you guys are right. I, when the committee's in the room, this is probably a series they're going to be talking about. All right, Miami has been playing terrific. Georgia Tech is hitting everything in sight. They hook up in the ATL. Uh, same kind of deal. I mean, Miami has just been – they've kind of separated from themselves, everybody in the Coastal, so that everybody's chasing. We know what the Canes are about. Georgia Tech, can they get enough pitching to pull out a series win this weekend or not? Well, I think if you're Georgia Tech, you know, the answer is hopefully, but maybe they can just trump that with turning this series into a hot mess. You know, Georgia Tech wants it to be ugly. Like, give them 11-10 games where, you know, I've I've thought Chandler Simpson at the top of that lineup and then Kevin Parada hitting second. I I think I told you guys, I had an ACC pitching coach tell me that that's just unfair. You know, Simpson is just like a track athlete and Parada's the best hitter in the league. So if Georgia Tech can get those scores up, that really uh, plays in their favor. You know, Miami's just, I I would argue, maybe the most complete team in the league, so they can win a lot of different games. But if these get high scoring, which could happen at Georgia Tech, it's a very offensive park, that gives Georgia Tech a real chance because their offense can trade punches with anybody. 
no truer statement has ever been uttered on this program than Macnee's ballpark being offensive. <laughs> I, I mean, I want to tell you that that Good place and, and and the old place, Mike. You know this: the old ballpark before they redesigned it was a true launching pad. I mean, it was you know it was organized batting practice at times when teams showed up. You know that. Yeah, and, and they've had a tradition of position players. I mean, you know, Mark Teixeira, Nomar Garciaparra, Jason Veritek, Jay Payton. I mean, three of those dudes on the same team. I, I would imagine if I was coaching against Georgia Tech back in the day, me, maybe even today, my pitchers are not allowed to watch their batting practice. That would not be positive visualization because I'm sure wow. not many of those balls stay in the park. Well, I'll say this too, uh, and Packers heard me refer to this because it's one of his all-time favorite giants who did this. Uh, back in the day, in the old ballpark, before they reconfigured and expanded, Miami came to town with Jim Morris, and Aubrey Huff hit a ball over the right field wall that broke up a fraternity party. I mean, that's how far he hit the ball. I mean, he cleared out people around a keg at the Zeta house on the corner in Midtown. So, yeah, but the, I'm just telling you. But, Wes, the problem is that Aubrey then went to the party afterwards. That, that's that to be true, too. So there that you that go. was the problem with all of that, knowing Aubrey a little bit. Yes. Mike, uh, here, here's a, I'm going to ask you. This is I'm going to get you to put your coaching hat back on here. Um, sure. We've talked to some coaches in a variety of sports this week. We're getting to the point where exams are starting to kick in here. We're going to have mm-hmm. teams rid themselves of the midweek stuff for a week to ten days. They're going to play their conference stuff on the weekend, but then baseball goes free. You know what I mean by this? Baseball goes free of the semester. We get to the tournament. We get to the postseason. Things like that. How tough is it mentally for some of these coaches to keep their momentum and keep their continuity? I mean, we're talking about Virginia, Virginia Tech exams on the horizon. We're talking about big series down the stretch in this league and postseason bids hanging in the balance, let alone bids to get to Charlotte to play for the ACC. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a real concern. I think from a coaching standpoint, you're trying to survive finals and not just kick a big weekend because everyone's distracted. But I do think college coaches will tell you when finals are over – it's really a fun time of the year. It's almost like your whole team gets this second or third wind. And I will tell you guys, you're really concerned about your freshmen. And there's two types of freshmen in this scenario. There's the freshmen that look like they saw a ghost the week of finals. And obviously, that's not great. You know, like they look completely overwhelmed. I'll tell you, here's the group of freshmen that really concern you is the group that look footloose and fancy free during the week of finals. Because that tells you they're not taking them seriously. So that group really has you nervous. Either way, you're just hoping the older players are helping the new players figure out how to manage the time and not get so stressed out that, you know, they, 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 you know it affects their play. But I, I do think you're trying to survive it. And then once finals are over, it is a really fun part of the college baseball season. Um, you, you're almost like a professional baseball player. You get up, take care of your body, you know, play baseball and, and, and you know, rinse and repeat. Mike, I want to get back to some of these series. Uh, in the Atlantic Division, we got a tie at the top with Louisville and Notre Dame. They are both in action this weekend. Uh, Notre Dame gets Boston College, which you would assume is a big advantage because BC's been struggling. Clemson's at Louisville. Uh, the Tigers are playing better, but if you're Louisville, you know what? This is an important series to kind of hold serve at home if you're going to win the division. Yeah, I would say BC at Notre Dame. You guys know I'm a Notre Dame grad. I was up at BC last weekend, and Mike Gambino, the coach at BC, was one of my favorite people in the league. You know, he took a couple shots at my diploma. You know, like the the BC kids, they have some injury issues, but if they're going to win a series, they're going to get up for Notre Dame. That mm-hmm. that is uh, that that's a real rivalry right there. 
But you guys are right. You know, Clemson is really coming on strong at the end. They've had this really strange season where really hot early in the year, struggled in the middle, and now they're catching fire. So, you know, Max Wagner, a kid from Green Bay, Wisconsin, has got 19 bombs for Clemson, having a huge year. And then Louisville, you know, their pitching has been inconsistent, but Louisville's position player group would scare the heck out of you. I mean, you know, uh, Jack Payton and Ben Metzinger and Cam Masterman, uh, you know, Christian Napchik at shortstop. I mean, they are athletic and they can hit um, and they play with a real edge. So, yeah, Clemson-Louisville is going to be a really fun series. And those feel, you know, Clemson, I, I don't know, like, can Louisville slow them down? I'm not sure. You know, Mike, it's interesting. You bring up Louisville's position players. I don't get the sense that this is the year that just really hot bats can ride any team anywhere out of this league because of the pitching equity in it, right? Mm-hmm. I, I would say yes in the league, but I will tell you guys, I actually think offense will play in the postseason. I, I think mm-hmm. to your point, Wes, you know, like are you going to overtake teams like Miami and the two Virginia schools with a lopsided team? I don't think so. But when you get into the postseason, you get into those regional weekends where you know right. teams are playing three and four and five games. If you've got a white hot offense, that can carry the day, and it takes so much heat off of your pitching. And hey, your opponents are having pitching issues, so I just don't see a lot of teams nationally that have the you know that deep elite pitching where you're going to be at a huge disadvantage. Now, certainly, you know teams like Tennessee are that, um, but but pitching's at a real premium this year. And if you've got an offense that can carry the day, I think you got a chance. Mike, I'm going to ask you a crazy question. Uh, I, I've been beating this drum here for the last couple of weeks, and I know offense, offense, offense sells. People love the dudes that can go yard. This league has them. I'm going to give you the top five home run hitters in the ACC. Parada, Georgia Tech's got 21. Uh, Max Wagner, who you just talked about, he had a couple more this week. He's got 19. Here's the list. Tommy White's been banging them from week one for NC State. He's got 19. Brendan Tinsman for Wake's got 17. By the way, the Deeks don't play this weekend. And Jake L. Offnuff said for the Who's has 16. Those are five dudes that could go yard in a millisecond. As we come down the stretch run, we turn the calendar from April to May. Who do you like to end up winning it all? Is Parada the guy because he's got the lead and he's going to hit it? He's in the right ballpark. Would you lean Parada from a home run standpoint to dominate this thing coming down the stretch? I would. I, I think Kevin Parada's got to be a favorite for the Golden Spikes Award, which in baseball you guys know is our Heisman right. Trophy. I mean, I, th- this kid can really hit. He's, he's like that classic. He's a hitter who has power. And I always want to bet on those guys as, as, as opposed to the guys that are just more strength over hit. Um, so Parada's the guy. I mean, pure hit tool. And, and you're right. He plays in the perfect park for it. I'll tell you guys, the Tommy White thing is so fun. I mean, so dang fun this year. And he's chasing Spencer Torkelson, who hit 25 home runs in his freshman year at Arizona State. Torkelson's already in the big leagues with the Tigers. And then Todd Green of Georgia Southern in 90 hit 26. So Tommy White's got a legitimate – think about this. Tommy White's basically got six weekends left because I think they're a postseason team to break that record, the true freshman home run record, which would be a blast. You know, the uh, it's funny you mentioned uh, Green. That's uh, That guy's like Roy Hobbs in Statesboro, Georgia. I mean, for what yes. he did down there. I mean, it's crazy. Oh, man, he could rake. He could hit. Uh, and it, 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 Mike, it's funny, though, right? I mean, we got caught up in Tommy White like game one, week one, right? I mean, to the point where I didn't think there was anybody who was going to catch him. And here's Parada, who just is very it, – it's like – it reminds me, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. 
the guy that shows up in a program who's already a pro, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he gets there to campus and you say, oh, that guy's a pro. It's just a matter of the clock moving for him. I mean, I mean, Parada, yeah. is he the only guy like that in the ACC? There are other guys in the ACC that you can just say, that guy's going to be a pro, right? You can sense it. Yeah. Luke Gold. Yeah, I would say he's the one. Yeah, he was – yeah, Luke Gold. I love that. I, you know, Luke Gold's like that classic offensive second baseman. I, I think – I mean, Parada, it's a good point, Wes. Parada's the guy that stands out. When he came to college, he was – you know, he's a Southern California kid. He mm-hmm. had um, – there's a big tournament in, in amateur baseball, the biggest tournament that ends these kids' high school travel ball careers. They call it Jupiter. Um, and, and Parada was the MVP of the Jupiter tournament. And you're just like, okay, dang, that's a player. That's a baller. And um, when he gets through the draft, you're thinking, man, if he cleans up his catching, his defense, you know yeah. the bat is going to play. But I, I just I think the thing about the ACC that's so interesting is the the athleticism really jumps out. I, I it takes me back to the Virginia Tech Virginia series. When you look at Virginia Tech, mm-hmm. I mean Jack Hurley could be an Olympic decathlete someday. Like this kid is a crazy athlete. I know you guys talked to Drew Hackenberg, and you know like. One brother's in the NFL. One brother's in MLS. One brother's in professional baseball. I mean, come on. Like, what were the wiffle ball games like in that backyard? Um, you know, <laughs> Gavin Cross, first-round uh, pick, left-handed hitter. That's what his projection is. Tanner Schobel is like Dustin Bedroya. Hey, uh, you know, uh, Virginia's got Kyle Teal, freakish athlete, yeah. big leaguer for sure. He might be a big leaguer at second base. Uh, Chris Newell in center field. So that's what jumps out to me, guys. The athletes that we have in ACC baseball – are just exceptional. Mike, you know what's the best thing about Parada? He's a Southern California kid that doesn't like the Dodgers. I know. I knew I was going <laughs> to like him. I knew I was going to like him. And no. As soon as he told us that the other day, he was an Angels guy. I was like, you know what? I can deal with the rally monkey. But the fact that he didn't go L.A. on me on that one, he's my kind of guy. like everything about him. Oh, man. That's called research right there, Wes. Look at Mike Mac getting it done. Well done. Mike, I got to tell you. It, I mean, once we get to the spring – People have to clear some levels on this show. And yeah. and I got to be honest with you. We find out. I mean, there's this young guy who comes, Isaiah Holmes, right? The young man from Miami comes on the show last week, and he's a track and field athlete from the University of Miami, and he's a Dodger fan. And all of a sudden, the interview Ooh. went south. I mean, it really did. It just <laughs> went go. south. Yeah. That's it. I, mean, I hope it works out for him, but, uh, you know, hey, you just yeah, got to prioritize stuff. But when Parada came on here and said, no, nah, man, that Dodger's not doing it for me, I said, this is my kind of guy right here. This guy's got oh, San Francisco Giants written all over. All over. Oh. By the way, that'd be the first place, San Francisco Giants, in case anybody wanted to know. Oh, thanks. I know yeah, it's still – it's That's, early. Don't worry about it. Once that'd again. be first place. Once again, Mike, you come to this show. We're going to talk college baseball. We're going to get you around the ACC. We're also going to have constant updates on the National League West, just that's in right. case you need to know how that's working out for Best us, okay? division in baseball. Best division in baseball. <laughs> so great. Coach, thank you. Have a great weekend. Always fun. Appreciate it. All right. See you, fellas. Thank you. All right. By the way, can, can we give Mike Rooney a shout-out? I mean, I think he what? is the only – I may be wrong about this – I know him recently. He's the only analyst that we brought on that was sporting the ACC Network brand. Just saying. All right. Just saying. When we come back, final segment on this Friday, Pack is keyed up about round two and three tonight of the National Football League draft. He'll give you his thoughts on the hot picks and the hot takes. 
Packard Durham concludes its weekend next on ACC Network. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham, final segment of Friday, final segment of the month of April. And I will tell you, good riddance to April. I'm glad that May's coming up this weekend. We're uh, eight days away from the Kentucky Derby. Uh, we're a couple days away from Fuller's birthday and uh, also celebrating an anniversary next week. So I'm glad May is finally getting here, Wes. i got to be honest with you. Ready for April to be going. I hear you. Yep. A uh, couple of news items here before we say goodbye on this Friday. Uh, we bid farewell, begrudgingly some of us will, to one of the luminaries, the gold standards of sports information at the collegiate level. Uh, Kenny Klein is going to retire after 39 years at the University of Louisville, and a lot of it as the grand poobah, if you will, of sports information. Um and when I say gold standard, I'm not I'm not kidding you here. Uh, for a long, long time, handful of guys have been the way others are measured in the sports information business, and Kenny Klein is in that handful. I would throw Claude Felton at Georgia in there right now as another one of those guys that has done it for a long, long time at an incredibly high level. And part of Louisville's admission into the ACC was the opportunity to work with Kenny Klein on broadcast of football and basketball at the University of Louisville. He has been a loyal servant to that university through highs and lows, and he is to be commended and honored appropriately, Pac, for his work at the University of Louisville. He is as good as it gets in this business doing that particular thing. And to say we are going to miss him is a massive understatement. However, we do have his friendship, which is awfully important as well, and we wish Kenny and his family all the best, but we are sorely going to miss Kenny Klein in the Atlantic Coast Conference on our visits and exchanges with the University of Louisville. Well said, Wes. Spot on. And, you know, and really for sports information directors across the board, they really make life easy uh, for idiots like us. Uh, broadcasters, talk show hosts, whatever the case may be, uh, they are the glue that really kind of ties us into what they know to be what's happening with a team or a player or a coach or whatever the case may be. And uh, the SIDs and all the assistants tied in into it do an amazing job for all of us. But Kenny, yep. as like you said, has been a staple for not only Louisville, but also the business of being in the sports information department and that whole universe and did a tremendous job. And you're spot on. He will be missed. But I know they'll still be hanging around. I mean, all those SIDs, man. Even when they retire, they're still working. They're still coming up with the cool angles and storylines and all that stuff. But Kenny's first class, and like you said, a complete salute and thumbs up for a job. Really, really well done. Well, and let me let me share this quickly. The landscape of this particular profession in college athletics, like we talk about ACC basketball and that landscape cha- changing a little bit, this landscape is also changing. And we are losing some of the really, really – Hall of Fame folks and in sports information, but we wish them the very, very best, and certainly we do so with Kenny Klein as well. I think about our buddy Tim Beret, who uh, stepped away from full-time SIDing, if you will. Um, I mentioned Claude Felton in Georgia. There's several others who have just been terrific in their time, and uh, we're fortunate to keep some others, but uh, uh, we're going to miss those guys for sure. Another news item here to share with you, Penn State has just announced – 
that Boston College's athletic director, Pat Kraft, is their new vice president for intercollegiate athletics. It is a three-year deal with base pay and uh, compensation for the first year to total $1.25 million, Mr. Packer. Well, I wish Pat the very best, too. Uh, really like him a bunch. Uh, BC's back to the drawing board. We talked about Martin, a German who left and went to UCLA. Pat now goes to Penn State. Uh, he needs stability in that position. I have no doubt uh, that Boston College will find a perfect fit from that perspective. Uh, but wish Pat yep. the very, very best at Penn State. Uh, like I said, he's a guy that has just natural enthusiasm for people and for sports. He's great for college athletics. And to me, that's a tremendous hire for Penn State. And we'll miss him in the ACC yep. as well. I'm going to tell you this, James Franklin, better make sure you get your get-back coach ready. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's all I'm going to tell you. Well, Jane, listen, after two years of going 11 and 11 in football, uh, James needs yeah. to worry about winning some ball games. But Pat Kraft yeah. is good people, and we wish him absolutely yep. the very, very best. Absolutely. Thank you to Pat Kraft for friendship. We hope to keep going as well. Uh, good week. Thanks to everybody. Dana Boyle today, uh, Mike Rooney, uh, terrific guest all across the board. Pack. I hope you have a great weekend, my man. I'm looking forward to uh, – oh, you got Drew Carter on Monday and Anise Schroff on Tuesday? Yep, Syracuse. Syracuse in the house, Monday, Tuesday. Hey, just think about Tuesday. You'll get all your Panthers football right there from Schroff, too. That's right. Hope everybody has a great weekend. Enjoy the draft tonight. Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app.